Masechet Kiddushin, Daf Lamed Vav. We're talking about the obligation of women regarding misfot lo Generally, they are liable. However, we, the Mishnah mentioned three exceptions. And then we saw yesterday that Isi added yet another one, the prohibition of bal yikrechu, uh, which uh, we learned from lo tasimu korcha ben anechem lamet, do not make yourself bald, uh, which was an ancient pagan uh, mourning practice. The Torah prohibits that, and this is in Sefer Devarim, applies to all B'nai Israel, not just Kohanim. Um, and uh, even though it says it in general, but Isi said, well, since it's Banim Atem and Banim Velo Banot, so connecting those two parts of the Pasuk, he said only men are not allowed to tear out their hair in mourning, but women, if they want to, are permitted to do that. All right, that was Isi, and uh, we, that was the first place. Uh, we know Isi's halacha. We were trying to figure out what his source is. That's source number one. And now we're about to see two other options of what his source is, that uh, women are, are not liable in pulling out their hair, making a bold spot for, uh, uh, in mourning. Abaye Amad, Hainu Tamadi Isi, Digamad, Kodha, Kodha mi bene Aaron, Malala Nashim Peturot, Afkan Nashim Peturot. Abe is going to learn it from a Kava Chomer. It says, the Pasuk we learned in Devarim, that's one here, which applies to all Israel. Lotasimu Kodha ben Anechem Lamet. Um, but it's not really clear that it says Banim Lobanot, that's over here. In the beginning of the Pasuk, it could be referring to something else. We're going to see in a few minutes um, what he does with the beginning of the Pasuk Banim Atem. He learned something else from it. So here we just know a general prohibition against uh, making bold spots. And here in Vayikra 21, uh, we, which we were focusing on yesterday, this is addressed to Bene Aharon. And so this Bene Aharon and not Benot Aharon, that applies to the first section here, which is about becoming Tamei Lamet. That's one of the exceptions, woman, but uh, Bat Kohen is permitted to become Tameh. And right after that, uh, one may not make bald spots on one's head. And so this uh, also applies to uh, only male Kohanim and not not female Kohanim because it says Bnei Aharon here and we're applying that also to this Pasuk. And so since we know over here that it says uh, Korcha, says the word Korcha, we make a Gezerah Shava with the word Korcha that's found here. And just like regarding uh, Kohanim, women are exempt from that. So too, regarding all Israel, women are exempt and that's the Abaye says that is the source for Isis Halacha. Good. Now we're going to analyze this. Where we ask, why do you need this Gezerah Shava? Couldn't I figure it out just from Vayikra 21 alone uh, using a Kalva Chomer? Because if we assume that the uh, uh, verse 1, uh, which says Bnei Haron, is referring to everything else on the list of, in that chapter, so then, This was also said yesterday. It's a, it's a repeat in a slightly different context here. Um, so the t- t- pasuk could have uh, uh, could not have could have not mentioned this uh, this gezerah shava, and I would know from a kalvachomet and said. 
just as Kohanim, who have a lot of mitzvot. There's, things are more stringent for Kohanim, and yet it applies to only male Kohanim and not female Kohanim. So for Yisrael, who generally have less mitzvot, they're generally more lenient, all the more so if it does not apply to a bat, a, a bat Kohen, certainly the prohibition of tearing out hair will not apply to a bat Israel, and so uh, that that's fine. I I really don't need the, the gezera shava. Uh, so why do we need it, Abaye? And the answer is kilav gezera shava havamina hivsikainyan. Without the gezera shava, I would have thought that the uh, the bnei haron uh, it applies only to the first uh, section. Period. End the paragraph. New paragraph lo yikrichu korcha is applying is 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 not connected to the opening in verse one, and therefore I might have thought this applies to men and women. That's why he has the gezerah shabbat to say, listen, there's a korcha here and a korcha here, so you better learn something important from it. Well, what are we going to learn important from it? Um, let's see. Maybe that oh, this applies to only men and not women because it is connected to what came before, and therefore we can learn to for all for Abat Yisrael also that <laughs> it applies to everyone. And so this actually proves to us the fact that the, that this is connected to what came before because otherwise we wouldn't know it. So this is good. We just demonstrated that we cannot rely on the Kavachomer by itself because we wouldn't know that Ben Adon extends to this law. So the Gezerah Shava proves that there is something important to learn here. And we figure, what's the important thing to learn here? It must be something about women, uh, women's obligation. And if it's learning about that, then the Minadon must apply to the uh, making a bald spot. And so women are exempt uh, regarding Kohanim, and they're exempt, therefore, by Gezerah Shava or by Kavachom. They both would work. Um, they are exempt to all, uh, all women are also exempt from this mitzvah. So far, so good. But the problem is, we were just making an assumption that the Gezer Shava is there in order to teach us women's exemption. But here we have another Braita that teaches a different use of the very same Gezer HaShava. So let's actually say that maybe the paragraph ends, Ben Adon is only going on the laws of Tum'ah, not on the next thing. And regarding the Gezer HaShava, I'll tell you why we need it. You have the word This is it's a double language. Don't don't make a bold spot uh, for a bold spot, right? Why, why do you need the the verb Don't uh, uh, um, make boldness. On a bald spot, right? Why do you need both? Because if you only had the verb, I would say, well, what if you make a person makes four or five bald spots? Then maybe they're still liable only to one because it's talking about the verb, right? Don't make bald spots. So you're doing an action and you make multiple bald spots on your head. So that's all part of one action. So it sounds like you'd be liable only once. Therefore, the second word, kodha, comes to teach every bald spot is another prohibition. That's uh, so. That's what we learned from that double language. Further, in Vayikra it says Bedosham. That's the full phrase. Why do they have to say Bedosham? Because if I have have the pasuk in Devarim that talks about don't um, 
make gashes between one's eyes, right? Don't make a bald spot. Don't make gashes in general. And don't make a bald spot between one's eyes. So I, if I had only that pasuk, I would think that only make only making a bald spot over here on one's forehead between one's eyes, that would be prohibited. prohibited. How would I know that it's any hair on the head? To teach me that uh, the word berosham in Vayikra teaches me that one is obligated regarding all of the head, just like the, the, between the eyes, the prohibition applies to any hair on the head. Now, if I only had Baikra, I would know that this applies to Kohanim. Kohanim, it, make, it would make sense. Kohanim cannot become Tamelamet. And now also, they can't involve themselves in these uh, um, severe mourning practices. I might think maybe it applies only to Kohanim, but Israel, maybe they're allowed to become Tamelamet. Maybe they would be allowed to also pull out their hair. That's why I need the Gezerah Shavah to teach me that just like uh, Kohanim are liable for every bold spot they make and they're also liable anywhere on the head, not only between the eyes, also, non-Kohanim are liable for every bold spot they make and all of the head, not only between the eyes. Malehalan Almet, Afkan Almet. We also learn, however, the Gezer Shava the other way. In, in, in Devarim, it says, Devarim, it says, Lamet, as a mourning practice, uh, meaning it's only prohibited if you're doing it over a dead person uh, in mourning. Uh, but uh, otherwise, if someone just wants to shave their head, this is besides the peot. You leave the peot. But if someone wants to shave their head um, for whatever they like that haircut, then that that's permitted to do. You just can't do it as a morning practice. We learned that in Devarim, and that applies also in Vaikra to Kohanim. So that's the end of the Braita. So we see that we need the Gezerah Shava for something completely different. And therefore, it could very well be that B'nei Aharon, that men and not women, applies only to the laws of Kohanim becoming Tameh. Maybe it does not apply to the next um, uh, uh, law about tearing out one's hair. And actually, so now we don't have a proof. This is going to ruin Abaye. And Abaye can answer, Im ken kera kera. So, in fact, that we could use a short form of the uh, of the word kedach. Why korha, a longer form, is to learn two things from the Gezerah Shavah. One of them is to equate all the details of the laws, making multiple things, or hair all over the head. All that's prohibited, right? That's one uh, layer of the Gezerah Shavah. The other layer of the Gezerah Shavah from the extra word says, this has to be something else that you learn one from the other, and that's going to be regarding a w- woman's permission to do it. <clears throat> and since uh, it's teaching something about woman's permission, so it must be that the B'nei Haron in Vayikra is, to- in Vayikra is talking about the whole paragraph, the next paragraph too, and is saying that Benadon are not allowed to pull out their hair, but women are allowed to pull out their hair if they're in the Karnim, and so two non-Kohen women are also allowed to pull out their hair, and all that is good. That is the second proof of Abaye. 
Lavan now brings a third proof. This is the reason of Isi that women are permitted to make bold spots. Also a Gezer HaShava in the second paragraph of Shema. It says, Tefillin should be between your eyes. And in uh, regarding making a bold spot, it also says, It says that in Devarim. So just like uh, regarding Tefillin, women are exempt. Also here, women are exempt. Even though that's a positive commandment, it means women don't have to put on tefillin. Here it's a negative commandment, that, so that would mean that women can, uh, get, can pull out their hair uh, in mourning. But, so we can still learn it as a gezerah shavah. The, these, both of these laws do not apply to women. Good, that's a simple, straightforward gezerah shavah. Now we ask, Rava, my time, my law, Abaye. Rava, how come you, don't, you didn't learn it, learn it like Abaye did? Who learned Korha, Korha? And the answer is, Kedah, Korha, Lamashmale. We remember we had to do a double uh, gezerah shavah because we already used the gezerah shavah to teach me all the details of the laws of making multiple spots. And so Abaye said, oh, well, I, we're going to use two layers of gezerah uh, shavah from the elongated word. But Ravah can say, I, I don't think that's a significant elongation. That's just the word. Korha. That's how you say a noun form of a bald spot. And so he, he uses a Gezer Shavah just for those details of the law. And he doesn't think that there's anything, uh, any extra bandwidth in that Gezer Shavah to learn anything about women. Therefore, he learns from Ben Anechem. How come you didn't learn from this nice Ben Anechem Gezer Shavah like Ravah did? He said, actually, the origin of what tefillin means actually comes from the law of uh, the law of tearing out hair. Just like regarding making a bald spot, it's not it's not actually here. What there's no there was apparently any hair on the on the forehead, what between the eyes, just a little bit of hair over here. No, just like ben, the word ben anechem regarding making a bald spot in Devarim is referring to all the hair on the head. So too, the tefillin has to be not literally between the eyes, but rather up on top of the head. Um, so we actually need that ben anechem to teach me the law of where to place tefillin. You want to learn, you want to use it the other way to learn that just like women are exempt from tefillin, they're exempt from this law. No, I need. I'm I'm using it the opposite direction um, to teach me that just like hair on the head is what's not you're not allowed to pull out. So too. You have to put the tefillin on top of the head, so that's why he doesn't accept that gezer shava. Okay, good. Now ben ben We started off the discussion yesterday with but the deriving all this this whole law from banimatem banim and lo banot. That was the first derivation that uh, the law of making a bold spot applies to men and not women. So Abaye and Rava, they both learn it from other places. So what do they do with this phrase that you are sons of Hashem? So we need it for the following very, very important and interesting Baraita Derasha according to the Bihuda. 
Ta, when it says Banim, you are sons of Hashem. We have to understand what this phrase means in general, because there is another religion out there that took this totally out of context and took it literally as if a human being could be somehow literally the biological son of God, which is just comes from Greek mythology, you know, Zeus and, and strange ideas. What does this phrase actually mean in Tanakh? To be God's son means to be chosen, to be special. It's a metaphor, just as a person loves his son, especially his firstborn son, so too Hashem loves all of his creations, especially those who are very close to him, Ben Israel, who are likened to his firstborn. So that's the that's the meaning of it. It's a, it's a metaphor, not any not any like biological thing. Uh, the king of Israel is also often called Beni Ata, Ani Hayom Yeliticha, as we say in Mizmor Bet of Tehillim. Hashem says about King David, right? I have given birth to you today. Okay, so that's what it literally means to be to be special, chosen, like a son. Although, of course, Hashem created everybody. We saw before Hashem is like a partner in the in creation of a person, a father and a mother. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu. All right. So that's what, the, that's what it means in general. But here the Biuda is learning that when uh, Bnei Israel um, acts like a son, a son that is uh, obedient and respectful, then you will be called sons. But if we decide not to act like sons and we disregard Hashem's commandments and do not show him fear and respect, then we will not be called banim. That's the Yehuda. This is a pretty harsh statement. It's saying that this is, uh, you know, ahavat teluya so to speak, um, that, um, you know, if, uh, if your son acts well, then yes, I'll take care of him as my son. And what if a son doesn't? Then you don't, right? Then it's, oh, he's not my son. I disown him. The Buddha is saying yes. That's the relationship between B'nai Sel and Kadosh Baruch Hu, that we are only worthy and deserving of being called sons and treated like sons, having special special status if we uh, live up to it and follow the Torah and act like sons, then yes. Otherwise, we, are, we deserve to be rejected and we are rejected and will not be called sons. That's a pretty scary statement. Uh, luckily, the Bimeir gives us uh, another possibility. Omer, ben kach ben kach atem banim shnemar. Banim sechalim hem. I says, no matter what, no matter how we act, we are always sons, right? This is like a way most, hopefully, most families are, right? Not, not every kid is going to be perfect all the time. And point is, even if a kid misbehaves and is disrespectful and all that, still parents love the, love the son, love the child, just because they are this, their child. Child, and it's it's not tiluyabadavad. It's it's uh, 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 uncompromising, uh, undying love, and not not dependent on anything. Right, that's the kind of um, love that usually we think parents have, and that's the kind of love that Rabbi Meir says Hakadosh Baruch Hu has for Bnei Israel. Where do you see that? From a few pesukim, we'll see why we need all these pesukim. Yirmiyah said they are foolish sons. Okay, it could be that we act foolish sometimes, but at least we're still calling, Hashem is still calling us sons. Better than just saying, these are foolish, you know, people. I don't even, uh, you know, I don't know who they are. Um, so that's good. It's like, you know, when a father gets angry and tells his wife, here, look at what your son did, right? Like, I'm not even my son. No, it's nicer to say, right, look what a terrible thing our stupid son did. Even though that's harsh, but still nicer than not, not be called not nicer than being disowned. Okay, that's one. Ve'omer banim lo emun bam or sons who have no faith. 
Okay, also not good to have no faith, but at least they're called sons. Gets worse and worse, right? A seed of evildoers, sons who deal corruptly. It's true, Hashem is pointing out, uh, Yeshaya is pointing out that B'nai Israel were dealing, dealing corruptly, but at least... They're called Banim still, so right, still a connection. Talking about Teshuvah, says instead of uh, instead of being called not my people, Hashem will say you are the sons of the living God. Right, we will be called that um, if we make Teshuvah. We will will go from a non-nation status to God's chosen right sons. Good. Now, so you see, in every one of these cases, we're called sons of Hashem, no matter what. Now, why do we need the extra pesuk? Each one was each one add to the other. If you only had the first pasuk regarding being foolish, so I might say, okay, you know, being foolish, uh, it's not good to be foolish, but it's not so bad, right? Even if your uh, son does something foolish, you're not going to disown him probably. Um, so fine, he's still, they're still called son, sons when they're foolish. But when we have no faith, then surely then we would not be called sons, you might think. No, that's why the second Pasuk says, even if they have no, em, no, no emuna, still they are my sons. Then if you had only those two Pasuk, you might say, fine, even if they have no faithfulness, I'll still keep them as sons, Hashem says. But if they go worship idols, then that's it. I'm out. Um, not so. Even when they do evil, even when they are corrupt, still Hashem holds on to, to hope, holds on to that special connection, and still calls us sons. Right? What a great act of rachamim. Uh, and maybe you'll say, all right, even though they're called sons, but they're called uh, right? This is my wicked son here. Right, if you get introduced that way by your parent, I don't know if it's going to sound so great. This sounds like, you know, I don't know, something <laughs> uh, even worse, right? My son was so disappointed in like I wanted to disown him, forget about it. So maybe they're called, yeah, you call them wicked son, but but it would not be not be able to again be called a proper full fledged son that you'd be proud of, right? Maybe that's it. Then there's no hope anymore to come back into full acceptance. That's why we have the last pasuk from Malachi Tashema Vomed. Says no. Uh, instead of saying you are not my people, if then once again they will be called the sons of the living God. And so um, that's 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 the very point that even if Ben uh, Israel uh, uh, stray and end up being called a foolish, wicked sons, still they are sons. And just like a parent has um, uh, uncompromising and um, uh, uh, un, uh, uh, undying love. Right, no matter what, not dependent on anything. So too, Hakadosh Baruch Hu will always has has faith. He will have faith in us, even when we don't always have faith in Him. So that when we come back, Hashem will be there to accept us once again. 
not just as wicked sons, but as uh, full, uh, fully accepted uh, sons of El Hai. Beautiful, beautiful derasha, especially uh, looking forward to Rosh Hashanah. All right, next Mishnah. Hasemichot v'hatenufot v'hagashot v'hakimisot v'haktarot v'hamelikot v'hakabalot v'hazaot nohagim b'anashim v'lo b'anashim chus m'milchat sota unzira shehen menifot. So more we talked about some differences between men and women regarding misfot aseh, misfot lo taaseh. So here's a few more items. Semichot, uh, putting your hands on the head of an animal to as a semicha, whatever different kinds of animals, right? Semicha to put your sins, uh, to admit your sins on it or disrepresent you. Um, that is that is applicable to men and not to women. Tenufot is various types of uh, offerings that the uh, some uh, the owner or the kohen will wave it up and down, back and forth. That applies to men and not women. Um, bringing uh, a, a mincha offering near to the, miz, to, to the mizbeach, this would be done by kohanim, or a kemisah that's done by the kohen that takes a fistful of the flower offering, or haktarot, uh, burning things on the mizbeach, melikot, um, breaking the back of the neck of a bird that is offered as a sacrifice, kabbalot, receiving uh, blood, sprinkling of the blood on the Mizbeach. These last things are done only by Kohanim, right? Now, even a Yisrael male or Levi male cannot do them. Uh, only a Kohen can do them. So we learn that only a Kohen, uh, only Kohen male can do them and not a female. Um, uh, cannot do uh, these things. These apply only to men and not women, right? So a couple of them do apply to Yisrael, also men, right? They can't, they do semicha and they can do some tinufot, but women cannot do, not those and not any of them here. Except two korbanot, a woman who is sota, or a woman who is a nezira, she accepts upon herself a nazir vow, and uh, they, uh, at the end, they bring um, a korban that has to be waved, and women do the wavings in the, on, for those uh, two types of korbanot. We now derive each of the laws in the Mishnah. Semichot ichtiv daber el bnei Yisrael v'samach bnei Yisrael somchin ve'et benot Yisrael somchot. How do you know that only men uh, need to do semicha on an animal? Uh, because says bnei Yisrael means only the males of Israel and not the daughters of Israel need not do semicha. Um, a woman can do semicha on an animal. There's no uh, problem with it, except on Yom Tov. This was a huge machloket the oldest Mahalokot that goes back to the time of the Zugot. Each of the Zugot had disagreements about it because on Yom Tov there's a problem to put your plate, put your weight on an animal because then you're um, using the animal and so that could, that's a problem for women to do that and so that's a whole Mahalokot. Okay, but anyway, on a standard day men need to do it and women do not. They can, but they do not need to. Tenufot ben el b'nei Yisrael v'henif b'nei Yisrael v'en benot Yisrael menifot so waving of certain animals can be done by men, B'nai Israel, versus B'nai Israel, mean men and not women. Both of those say is about Israel because um, non Kohanim can do those two things. Hagashot ichtevzot haTorah tamin ha hakreb ota ben Aharon ben Aharon velo ben Aharon. But now, when it comes to bringing the mincha offering, a Kohen would actually bring it, carry it close to the mizbeach, and that's done by ben Aharon and not the daughters of Aharon. So only Kohanim can do it, and only male Kohanim. Kemisot ichtev for a mincha flower offering, you do a kemisa, and it says, 
Bene Aharon, so only the males and not the females. Ahaktarot, ichtivikhtiru, oto, bene Aharon, bene Aharon, velo, benot Aharon, burning of parts of the animal sacrifice on the Mizbeach. The sons of Aharon can do that and not the daughters of Aharon. Hamelikot, ichtivu malak, vihiktir, itkash melikala haktara. It says, and he will uh, uh, pinch or, or uh, press in the uh, back of the uh, bird's neck. In order to kill it, that's you don't do regular shechita for animals, for 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 birds, in the Beit Hamikdash, but Radu Malak, and so it's connected in the pasuk to Viktir, and he shall burn. So whoever does the burning of uh, on the mizbeach also does the melika, and that's by male kohanim, not females. Hakabalot ikribu ikribu zo kabalat adam. Receiving the blood after you do shechita, so you have to need, you need a kohen that was there with a bowl that will receive the blood. That's an essential uh, step of the service, and it says vikribu. Uh, uh, they will present the blood, and that's explained as receiving the blood in a vessel. That has to be by men and not by women. Now, regarding sprinklings, there's lots of things that are sprinkled. So which one is it talking about? If it's referring to sprinkling of the ashes of para aduma, there, that's, that is uh, said to El Azar. And so we learn from there that has to be done by a high-ranking Kohen, like Kohen Gadol. So even, even regular Kohanim, cannot do this, so all the more so a uh, woman could not do it. If it's talking about sprinkling on the inside in the Kodesh, this would be done for, let's say, the Kohen Gadol makes a mistake, um, does an er- uh, makes a sin, an error. He has to bring a special Korban Hatat uh, that is offered, and that's offered by Kohen HaMashiach, by the Kohen HaGadol. So if even the Kohen Gadol, even a regular Kohen can't do this, certainly a woman could not do it, Ella Hazaa de Ben Off, the Atiabakava Homer be Ben Son. Rather, it's talking about sprinkling of a blood of blood of a bird offering, and we can derive that from a kavachomer from sheep offering. Ma ben son shelo kabalo kohen l'shritato kabalo kohen l'hazaato. Regarding an animal, um, a kohen does not need to do shechita. A Israel who brings a, a sheep, the Israel is permitted to do the shechita, and nevertheless, even though a non kohen can do shechita, a kohen has to do the sprinkling for an animal. Ben of shekabalo for a bird offering where a non-coin cannot do the melika, only a coin could do the melika, all the more so that a non-coin will uh, not be able to do the sprinkling. And so just like regarding animals, the uh, male kohen must do the sprinkling of the blood. So too, regarding a bird offering, um, a, a male uh, kohen must do the sprinkling of the blood. We now come to the next part of the Mishnah of those things that a woman can do regarding sacrifices. The mincha offerings of a sota and a nezira uh, should be waived, may be waived by the woman. Uh, Rabbi Elazar said to Rabbi Yoshia, who lived in his generation, Do not sit down until you explain to me this halacha. How do you know that the meal offering of a sota has to be waived? 
Now we interrupt this question to explain it. What do you mean? Why is he asking some, such a simple question? It's an explicit pasuk that says that uh, the mincha of a sota has to be waived. What do you mean? What's the source? No, the question we're asking is how do you know that the person bringing it, in this case the sota woman, has to uh, be, uh, should be the one who waives it, right? Uh, if it just said the pasuk, it says venif. It's not clear if the venif, who's doing that? Is that the kohen? Or the sota, so I don't. I can't tell just from the pasuk what's the source that the sota herself waves it. We learn a gezerah shava from shelamim regarding a sota. It says that the kohen will take it from the hand of the woman. And regarding a shelamim offering, it says, Yadav, his, the uh, person who's bringing it, whoever he is, Yisrael, um, he will bring it with his hands and related in the pasuk, and it says, and he will wave it. So you see, regarding shelamim, clearly it's the owner who brings it and waves it. So too, Yad Yad, the sota, is the one that waves it. Makan kohen, afalehalan kohen, malalan baalim, afkan baalim. And we learn the other way also that just like here regarding sota, it's the kohen who waves it because in, in the pasuk in sota, it's not clear uh, if it's the sota that waves it, so it could be read as the kohen. Kohen waving it, so so too over there regarding Shalamim, the Kohen waves it. But just like over there in Shalamim, it has to be the owner that waves it, so too here the owner that waves it. Now we're really confused, right? Because for both of them we're learning that both the Kohen and the owner has to wave it. How do you do that? Hakesad, Kohen machnis yado tachad yad baalim umenif. The Kohen puts his hands under the hands of the owner and they actually wave it together, right? And um, that's permitted, even though Sotah is a woman and the Kohen is a man. The Gemara and Masech Sotah addresses that, right? It's not a problem. And so they actually wave it together. So it's true that both the owner and the Kohen wave it. In the case of Sotah, the owner, the person bringing it is a woman. So therefore, that's the source that a woman is permitted to waive the Hermincha offering. So now we have a source for Sotah, but what about a Nizira, a woman who takes upon herself a Nazir oath, and when she ends it, she has to bring a Mincha offering. Well, it says the word Kaf uh, regarding Sotah, and it says the word Kaf regarding uh, the uh, Nizira. These are back-to-back in uh, Pesukim, back-to-back chapters, um, uh, uh, meaning Palm. And since it says both words, the same word in both places, and that's the Kaf that she's holding the meal offering with. And if she's waving one, then that means she waves the other as well. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen v'amen.